0: That time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 442, and we've got Bart Booshots back to join me, your host, Allison Sheridan, for another episode of Programming by Stealth. This is episode 16 of X. How are you doing today, Bart?
1: I am doing just fine, and I'm sure that show number was exactly right.
0: I surely <laughs> hope so. <laughs> I think I'm getting it right every other time right now, so that's good.
1: Okay, so it's when I'm on your right, is that it? Or is it when that's I'm about on your it. Wrong? No, I think it's right when
0: you're on. That's about it, though. (laughs) Well, I had fun. I did my homework from last week. I know you call it a challenge, but I like calling it homework.
1: If you like calling it homework, that's great. But I think other people may prefer the term challenge.
0: (laughs) Well, I was excited. I succeeded.
1: You did indeed. So, yay. And uh, hopefully it was fun.
0: It was. Good, good. To the audience, um, uh, what was the the? I, I did cheat a little bit because I have the home nom- phone number of the professor. But the most important thing was that uh, I was looking at this week's challenge instead of last week's challenge. And I was like, what is he talking about? I can't do this. And I wrote to him and I started yelling at him. And he says, yeah, you're on this week's. So you, you're supposed to be on last week's."
1: And it is slightly different. You know, a challenge using words I haven't told you yet is definitely more difficult. <laughs> yeah oh yeah that definitely is a challenge um you also sort of set me a challenge um you well you you wanted better navigation of the series as a whole so that you could get around more easily and also to be able to jump around to where certain topics come up right so i think i succeeded in both of my pieces of homework so the first i did with a wordpress plugin because WordPress rocks. So I'm now using a WordPress plugin that allows me to create a concept of a series within WordPress. And it actually really integrates very nicely. So now every page in Programming by Stealth has a little yellow call-out box with the Programming by Stealth logo, uh, the title of the series, and then an automatically updating list of all episodes in the series. So you can very easily navigate and you can see where you are because it's in bold. And then you can jump around through the series. So that is nice. Yeah. And then
0: What's what's the plugin called?
1: Uh, oh, let me let me go to my control panel to make. I, I tried about five of them. I'm trying to remember which one I actually stuck with in the end. It was the one that had four thousand active, downlo- active downloads or forty thousand active downloads or active installs. Because the other one had like three hundred, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm not. I, that's too small of a sample set. That's going to be buggy." Um, okay, come on, WordPress, load up here. So, plugins. What have we got? It is called. Okay, why doesn't it get with an S? Oh,
0: organize series is what it's called. Organize series. Okay, I might want to check that out because now I've got all these series that are connected to your series, right?
1: Yes. Now, there is a little bit of CSS and stuff to do, so it will inject some HTML into your page and it's then up to you to... Well, you can accept the default style, but the default style is not going to look right in your theme because it's just not, right? Um, So yes, but it is customizable, so that's why I did a bit of tweaking So I'd say it took me two or three hours to get it just the way I like it.
0: Okay. With a nice little dotted border and all that. Yeah, that's true.
1: (laughs) All right. And then uh, there's some configurations as well. So there's a bit of jiggery-pokery, and I had to go in and edit all of the 16 episodes to actually label them as being in a series rather than just being standalone posts and stuff. So it took a bit of jiggery-pokery, but I like it. And I, I will at some stage find the time to go back in time and do the same for Taming the Terminal.
0: Yeah, very cool. Well, the other thing we talked about was a cheat sheet of some sort. And we talked yeah. with Alistair for a little bit in Telegram about wh- how, what would it look like.
1: Yes. So basically, the problem to be solved is that you want to be able to quickly find the list of all of the things we've covered in JavaScript and then be able to link back to the relevant piece of the show notes. Right. And so the cheat sheet breaks it into headings. It is full of sample code. So I think a lot of the time, the sample code will hopefully be enough to trigger the old memory. But if not, it's peppered with links. To the relevant bits, so comparison operators and functions is p b s thirteen whereas uh arrays are p b s fourteen and ar- arithmetic operators are p b s twelve et cetera et cetera, et cetera so there's links to everything there, and I will be updating this cheat sheet as we learn more now we won't have many more updates to do because this is the se- it already contains the stuff for today, and this is the second last time we're going to be in our playground so oh okay. After, so this, this time and next time, we'll be learning the language, and then we're going to be applying the language, and we're going to jump into how we use our JavaScript skills to manipulate web pages.
0: Ooh.
1: And I'm going to tell you now that what we learned today is unbelievably vital. So I'll, I'll touch back on it in our conclusion, I'll tie it together. But basically, what we're learning today is something you are going to do all the time. Because it is just the fundamentals of how JavaScript ties into web pages. So okay. th- today is one that you can double underline. And if it doesn't sink in straight away, don't worry. You're going to get so much practice at this; it'll sink in soon enough.
0: Okay, you promise?
1: Yes, I do. And th- in any other language, this would be considered an advanced topic. But in JavaScript, it is the done thing. It is the JavaScript way of doing things. And so you could write Java for 20 years and never use an anonymous function or a callback. Uh, you couldn't write JavaScript on the web for two minutes without using an anonymous function or a callback. So, you know, what's weird and esoteric in one language is, you know, the soup de jour of another. Okay. Okay. Good. So let us... so. Last time we learned about... Oh, actually, no, we should, we should go through the answer to our challenge, really, shouldn't we? That should be the next we thing should, we do. We should, we should. So there are links in the show notes to the cheat sheet, so you can grab that there. Um, and then just the next thing in the show notes, then, is my proposed answer to the challenge I set. Now, there are literally an infinity of correct answers to any programming problem. But mine's there is the no, best one, right? <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't even... I, I haven't searched the space of infinity. Oh, um, fine. So what I have written is the way I would do it. So it's more a reflection of my preferences and my style than it is anything else. You could probably turn it into some sort of personality test if you felt that way inclined. But what you have is how I would solve this problem. And it is a correct solution, but it is not the correct solution. And if what you have works, then it's correct. It doesn't matter what it looks like. If it works, it's correct. That is like the most fundamental thing. Um, You know, when I when I was teaching uh, programming, the rule was always if a student submits a working assignment, they cannot get a bad mark because that just would that's a sign of your marking system is broken.
0: I worked for a guy who didn't believe in that. Drove me out of my mind because I'd say, did mine work? Yeah, but this (laughs) would be better. I said, yeah, that's your solution. This is my solution. And it works, right? Yeah, but this would (laughs) be be just for once. Pat me on my little punkin head and say I did it right. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I think it's very important to say that don't look at your code and go, oh, no, it's not line for line identical to mine. It must be wrong. No, 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 no. Does it do what it's supposed to do? If the answer is yes, then it's perfectly fine. Good. So it's very important to say that. So having said that, I'll quickly run through my 37 line. Remind everybody what the
0: challenge was.
1: Yes. So the challenge I set was to write a function that would calculate the average of an arbitrarily long array of numbers. And then to test that this function works, to use it to average numbers entered into the inputs in our playground, and your solution should be human friendly. So if people don't put in anything into the into the inputs, you should, you know, tell them or something, you know, be be human friendly. And I wasn't particularly specific about any of that. So I decided to call my function avg because I'm lazy. I believe you called yours average function, which is perfectly fine. I didn't even tell you what to call it, in fact. So you really are free to call it whatever you like. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started by defining the function first. Now you started by getting the inputs first. Perfectly valid. Nothing wrong doing it one way or the other. So my code starts by defining a function called AVG that takes one argument, which I chose to call A, because the argument, according to the challenge, should be an array. So I figure A is a perfectly valid name for an array. So just function AVG, open parens, A, close parens, open we squarely brackets, and then in we go. So... The first thing my code does, because I think it's generally speaking, never assume that people pass you the arguments you expected, because in reality, that is how it goes a lot of the time. And an awful lot of security vulnerabilities are caused by arguments not being checked. Hmm. When you have some sort of buffer overflow, it's almost certainly because the developer didn't actually check that the buffer he or she got was the size of buffer he or she asked for.
0: So part of so how the first- I attacked this um, that I thought made a lot of sense was I, I kind of made myself an outline with uh, comments. So I said, okay, mm-hmm. I know I got to do this, 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 and this. And one of the things in there was to check to see if the inputs made sense. Were they real numbers, whatever. And uh, I saved that until the end. I figured if I had some error happening and I didn't know whether it, where it was, it was better to wait to do that and then start putting gl- glop into the entry points.
1: Okay, for my designing software to be robust and secure, that's definitely not the right order to do things. Because if something you haven't checked for is put into a function call somewhere else before you get around to checking it, you could end up causing some sort of problem in the middle bit. So I not know where
0: the error was if I started by error checking, and I didn't know what I was doing. Right? If okay. I, that was because yeah. I I couldn't I wouldn't be I wouldn't know what was causing my problem if I did that. I mean, I guess I could have just done that. And no That's other, no function.
1: So I would start, Yeah. So I'd write oh, okay. all of my comments okay. to say what I was going to do. And then I'd start filling in real code, starting from the top down. So you you very diligently checked if your array contained numbers, mm-hmm. but you didn't check if you actually had an array at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing that in what you did.
1: So there, there's a subtle thing, but I didn't tell you to. So it's not wrong. It's just slightly it would be a less little robust. More
0: robust. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the first thing, well, the first minute, assumption basically... Yeah. I should
0: I should check mine to see what it does if I put nothing in. I think it might
1: come back. Okay. You to check your function, you would have to not use PBS that inputs because it will always be an array. So you'd have to say I don't know the line at the very last line of your code that just says average function open bracket quote boogers quote close bracket. Because you like um... boogers. No, And do a pbs. I, say on that.
0: No, if I leave the three values blank in uh, the, the playground and mm-hmm. I run it, it says nan. So it does okay. fail. Oh no, it runs. Right. It just doesn't get an answer. Right. Never mind. Yes, I
1: and right. it is still getting an array. It's getting an array of length zero. So yeah. if you, on your code, on, just make a line 32 and copy and paste line 31 and oh, I just noticed something interesting in your solution. Oh yeah, okay, because I didn't notice that earlier. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay. Uh well we yeah, can okay. keep going with yours.
0: I, I understand the concept that you need to make sure yes. it, it has a length of non-zero.
1: Yeah, well, first off, is it an array? So the very first- step, because if you do a dot length on something that's not an array, you actually will get a nonsense answer. So the very first thing to do is see, I think this is an array. Are you genuinely an array? Uh so we say if not a instance of array, which in your cheat sheet you'll tell you is how you test for arrayness. What? Return now. We've nam, never been taught
0: that. Instance of space array?
1: 99% sure that was in mm. PBS 15. Ah. It's possible. But it's, yeah, array test. Yeah, no, 99.9% sure that. Well, okay. Nope. Let's actually go to PBS 15 and look for I'm it. I'm
0: searching for it. instance of array as one word isn't in there.
1: Instance of as one word space array with a capital A. Okay. Because I remember commenting and telling you, don't ask why it's a capital; it just is. Okay. Strange okay. No,
0: you're right. It's in there. Check okay. If a good. The variable contains a reference to an array. Okay.
1: Yes. So that's what I'm doing there with the instance of bit. So uh, that's. Have basically you ever just taught us to use problem.
0: not like that? If open parentheses bang parentheses something. Is that how you taught it to us originally? Because I don't... Again, this gets back to having never done it.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, we have talked about the fact that you can always throw a knot around something. So you you can always use brackets to group something together. So I didn't want to check if not a was an instance of array. So to make absolutely sure that the not happened last, I just bracketed the stuff I wanted to happen first. So basically, you can always bracket stuff if you want to make sure it happens first. Because like in mathematics, the brackets will go first. So I didn't want to have not a checked for being an array because that makes no sense. You see what I mean? Yeah. So I wasn't sure what JavaScript would do. And instead of going and reading the rules to see whether instance of is a higher precedence than not, I just threw brackets around it and called it a day.
0: Did Did we just say that was in 15? Instance of?
1: Instance of is in... It no, it wasn't in 15. It was in the one we did arrays. Yeah, that will be why it wasn't showing up for me in 15. Yeah, look, okay. my cheat okay, sheet there's... even says it's in 14. Okay. If I read my own cheat sheet, I would be so much better off.
0: Okay, so what does it mean again to say parentheses a space instance of array?
1: close parentheses? That will return true if a is an array and false if a is not an array.
0: So a was the name of your array?
1: Yes. So okay. we have saying that the first thing to this argument, which okay. we hope is an array... We shall call a. For the duration of this function, whatever you put in first
0: is called a. Or next, after it's been incremented. No?
1: Well, no. no. So it's whatever argument you pass. So when you say average, and then you pass it what you would like it to average, whatever that is, I am going to call a for the existence of this function. I don't know what it is up front. But But it's
0: only the first value in the array? No,
1: it's the whole array.
0: Okay, you just said the first. And you said that in notes to me when we were talking earlier. So I'm tangled again. So A is the name.
1: I don't know what A
0: is.
1: (laughs) Okay. So if you scroll down to line. Okay. Safari does weird things when you use two finger scrolling and accidentally go sideways. Uh, (laughs) So on line 36, no. Uh, Ah, I've completely lost my place. Am I even in the right? Yeah, okay, sorry, line 33. We call my function called AVG, and we pass it the inputs. So we say PBS, let's say AVG the inputs. Yes? Okay. So the inputs will be the first thing I pass the function that time. Okay. But when I'm writing my function, I have no idea what it is it's going to be averaging. It's going to be averaging something. And I have to call my something. I have to give it some sort of a name. So whatever it is the person puts inside those brackets when they call me, I shall call that A.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So it's a placeholder. It's basically, they are going to give me something as the first argument. It'll be some variable they've chosen. I won't know what it's called. I can't possibly call it by their name. So I, it's like giving someone a nickname, right? I shall call you Tiny Tim. I shall call you A. No idea what you are outside this function, but inside this function, I shall call you A. Okay. But it's entirely possible for me to have done something silly, like, say, PBS, let's say AVG Buggers. Well, buggers is not an array, it's a string. So what should the function do when someone talks nonsense at it? And I've decided that what my function will do when you talk nonsense, it will return nan, which is sort of JavaScript's crybaby answer to, <laughs> I wanted a number, and you gave me garbage, therefore I shall give you nan.
0: Okay, okay. So
1: and- I wanted an array... You didn't give me an array, I'm going to spit out nan and call it a day. Okay. So we're back to this pattern of, if you're not happy, just return. Don't bother going through the rest of your function, just run away. I was just really proud that. of
0: the, remembering to do that, because the first time I went through and, and incremented, I just did it by hand. I just said, okay, I'm going to have input one, input two, input three. We're just going to do each one. But I, on each one, I said, if this, if this isn't a number, then give me na- uh, return nan.
1: Yeah, and that will just break out of the loop. It'll stop everything and just run yeah. away. Go, done. I am finished I here. I remember that
0: part. I was kind of proud of that. <laughs> Excellent. And then had to turn it into the general case. Okay, so we, we're we saying if this instance of, array, instance of array is, or if it's not an array, then return NAN.
1: Yeah, so run away. So that's our first possible, so basically the first assumption we were making is that they gave us an array. So the second assumption I want to test is that there's actually something in the array. Mm-hmm. What if they just gave me an empty array? That's, that's nonsense. I can't average nothing. Okay. So then we say, if not a.length. And I haven't comments after it. Zero evaluates to false. So in other words, if a.length comes out as zero, that will be false. Not false is true. This is where I don't like JavaScript because it makes you do if not. I hate yeah, if, wait. Not. if not. Yeah, wait. If not. A.length. So in other words, if, if there isn't something in the array, return nan.
0: Oh, so if a.length does not exist.
1: No, if mm-hmm. a.length does not work out as being some sort of positive number, right? Because remember, all right. numbers evaluate to one except for the number zero. Yeah. So if the length is one, that'll be true. If the length is a thousand, that'll be true. The only time it will be false is if the length is zero.
0: <laughs> this makes my head hurt, but I follow you I completely.
1: Know. <laughs> Yeah. See, okay. if I was writing this in another language, they, some languages have something called unless, which is like the opposite of if, and I love those languages, but JavaScript is not one of them, so I shall move on. Okay. So, again, we're, te- we're validating our assumptions. So, okay, I'm now sure it's an array, so I can safely call its length, because all arrays have a length. It may be zero, but it will exist. And again, if they gave me an empty array, I'm finished. The average of nothingness is some sort of weird nothingness, so return nan. Okay. Then finally, we have. We now know that there is something we can do. So now we actually do the work. So the first thing I do is, according to my little comment here, is calculate the sum of all the values in the array. And I did this pretty much identically to the way you did it. So I'm creating a new variable called, I called mine a sum for array sum. I think you, you called yours something else, but doesn't really matter. The point is you made a variable, you started it at zero. And then you created a for loop. And then you ran from zero to less than the length of the array and you plus Now you did N rather than I, but again, it doesn't matter. Your choice or Q. I can't which Q. One you <laughs> Q. You did Q.
0: I want to tell people why I didn't use I. It's because I'm too lazy to capitalize the letter I when I write. So I've got Text Expander set to turn all single lowercase letters uh, I into uppercase. Right. When they have a space after them, so I can't use i. I told Bart I was going to use l just to irritate him, but I decided on q. it. would have irritated me. (laughs) And me later.
1: So, but you'll notice we did exactly the same, really, apart. If you replace q with i, your line of code looks identical to mine. So from zero up as far as less than the length, and i++ or q++. And then we're saying the sum plus equals parse float element i of your array. Mm Mm-hmm. And I have a comment there saying convert strings to number before adding. Oh, you did
0: parse float when you told me you were going to do parse int. And I said parse float. So you cheated off my paper.
1: Actually, I wrote this quite a while ago. I I, I usually write parse int and then do it and go, why is the average of four and six four? (laughs) Actually, no, that's wrong. Four and five four. Oh, right, right, And then I go back and I make it a parse float. That's usually how I do these things. I, I do it as an int by complete instinct, and then it breaks, and then I go and put a float in. That's generally <laughs> how I go. Okay, so now that we have our sum, we're ready to do the maths to make an average. So calculate the average by dividing the sum by the amount of numbers. And so var ants, just calling it ants, equals a sum, which is what I called my sum, divided by a dot length. So in other words, divide the sum by the number of things in the array, return ants. So that is that is the nuts and bolts here. We have added the numbers together and we've divided and then we've returned. So when so the return is,
0: ants, that it's not is that actually putting it on the screen though? Nope. That okay, is Okay. That just means it knows what it, it it will know what it is when we run it. Yes. Okay. Actually so when this you, is a good point to explain the the way you explained to me how you declare a function and then later on you call it. Tell them what yeah, you so told uh, me.
1: Because because I'm a big Harry Potter fan, I basically it's like defining a spell and then using a spell so we have now said that the spell average works like this and then only when we finally say avg and we you know give it some numbers to actually average that's like say expelliarmus or whatever That's like you know go do it
0: <laughs> i will and, absolutely remember it because of that that's a great analogy excellent.
1: and the word we actually use is we invoke a function which is very wizardy sort of words invoking things very good Ray. okay So at this point in my code, the function exists, and it's called AVG. And that's all I've done so far, so nothing would happen if I just run that. So then I have, outside the function, I say, read the inputs. Fire the inputs equals pbs.inputs. Okay, so we now have an array. Then I say, check if we got any inputs. If we did, average them. If we didn't, whine. And my comments often contain the word whine. I like whining. Mm -hmm. So again, we're saying if the inputs dot length, in other words, if there is some length in there, get the average and print it. So pbs.say, avg the inputs. Else, no inputs, so whine. PBS.say, enter numbers into the inputs to average them. Now, your code is actually more polite because what I will do if you put in boogers, honey, and donkey is I'll give you nan, whereas you will say, use numbers, dork. Well, Oh, I even
0: even tell it... um...
1: Which, what it is, what it is num- that
0: was wrong. So yeah. boogers is the- not a number.
1: Yeah. So your code is actually more human-friendly than mine.
0: So the other thing I looked at, so you and I thought about doing it this way, was you defined a variable that represented pbs.inputs. I realized yes. I didn't have to do that. That was extra stuff. It makes the code read easier, though, I think? It what does, and that? it
1: lets me do tests on the inputs. So it allows me to test their length before I do anything with them.
0: Yeah, but uh, you already tested the length. Yeah, the I tested
1: in the function where I returned none if it was wrong. So here I'm testing it outside so I can give a human-friendly answer. Okay. So I've written the function so that it's completely generic and could be used anywhere, whether there's, we're in the playground or whether we're in a web page or whether we're in a web server or whether we're in some sort of, I don't know, Hazel plugin, whether we're in the text expander plugin, it doesn't matter where it is, my average function will always work because it doesn't do anything playground specific.
0: Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay.
1: So I've kept okay. all the playground stuff outside the function. Yeah. See,
0: my whole world is inside the playground. So I have no idea yes. uh, other than, well, pbs.inputs. I guess I know that's in the play- playground. Pbs.say. Yeah.
1: I have been careful to pbs everything that's not generic. Yeah. So everything that doesn't start with PBS dot is, is real. real JavaScript. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so one thing I didn't understand with mine. So I, I created the function and then I called mm-hmm. the fun- expel Expelleramus, whatever, afterwards. <laughs> um, it, it calculates the uh, average value and it says it. Um, but that happens even if it errors out at the beginning with you didn't give me good inputs. So the, inside yes. the function, I say, hey, check and see if it's real inputs. And if it's not, send this answer And uh, that says you didn't put an answer in, you moron. And then it, it hits a return, so it jumps out. And then it still says the answer. And the answer might be nan or whatever. It'll be undefined
1: because you haven't returned anything. So you've just said return on its own without telling it what to return. Yeah, so JavaScript right. will return undefined. So if you had return nan instead of return silence, oh, like your return is right. just hanging there. So that means you're returning undefined.
0: So could I have returned, um, you didn't, well, what bothers me is it should be done once I tell it you didn't give me any good inputs.
1: Yes, but you're doing a PBS that say on whatever spits out of the function. So that will also happen. So you will returning without saying what you're returning returns undefined. So you'll see, it'll say the my average blah is not a real number. Please enter a valid number. And then the return happens, which hands it back to the pbs.say. And the return is not actually giving anything back. So it, pbs.say receives undefined. And so it will say undefined. because yeah, Why PBS.say doesn't yours
0: do that on top of giving you the, the error? Ah,
1: because I only, call my, I only call my average function when I'm happy that everything's okay. So that, because I have my inputs as a separate variable, I'm free to then say if the inputs.length. And then I do the call. So my call won't happen if I, ha- if I don't have inputs.
0: Yeah, what? Okay. Now that you said that, I understand. Except I don't understand what if the inputs.length is. If they're okay. tr- If that's true, is that what that means? Yes. It means oh. if they're, yes. I want yeah. that to have a if the inputs.length is not zero.
1: You could do that, or if the input set length is greater than zero, you could write there too. That would be equivalent, oh, so. and I think I can hear Alistair screaming at his iPod because what I've done there is I've used another one of those shortcuts that we programmers take for granted and that, if I will excuse the analogy, muggles will think is black magic, so I'll try to avoid doing those.
0: Okay, so it would have been correct to say if parentheses the input dot length is greater than zero, close parentheses, do then, then do this stuff inside the squiggly brackets. Yeah, that would oh, have been okay.
1: equivalent. Yeah.
0: Okay. Oh, equivalent.
1: Yeah, you so could. You, in fact, three things you could have there that are entirely equivalent: if the inputs dot length, which is what I have; if the inputs dot length not equal to zero; or if the inputs dot length greater than zero. All of those would work the same.
0: Okay, I understand this. Excellent. And I regurgitated once. It only took me probably four and a half hours to write a function that averaged three numbers.
1: (laughs) Now, there is also one other subtle, subtle little... Actually, it is actually a bug in this case, Mm. in your code I just noticed now. So when you call your average function, you don't actually pass it any arguments. Yeah, so you just say average function, open bracket, close bracket, whereas the assignment said to pass the array as an argument. What you're doing instead is you're reaching into the global scope to my array, which is what you called your array outside the function. So your function will only work if a variable called my array exists in the global scope because you reach up to the global scope. But it does. I wrote it in the global scope. It does scope. work because the function is there, yes. But again, that make, the variable is there, so it works. But that makes it less generic. Because if you wanted to use this function in a Hazel script, you'd have to make sure you called the variable outside the function my array because otherwise the function wouldn't find it.
0: But I did call it that outside the array, outside of you the function. You did, functions. but
1: I'm saying it makes it less generic. I'm not saying it doesn't work, I see what but you're it saying. makes it less generic. And the assignment did say the function should accept as an argument an array. And your function takes the array from global scope instead of as an argument. It's a subtlety, right? It, it, I, yeah, I, I I'm admit not sure I, I know how to here. do what you're saying. Um, okay, well, actually, you're almost there. Because when you define the function, you say average function n. mm mm-hmm. So if between lines 7 and lines 22, you do a find and replace for my array and replace it with N, then the code will be correct. And then if on line 31, you just put my array into the brackets, into the parentheses, as you call them, then you'd be done and you'd have perfect marks.
0: Hmm. Okay, I'll have to think about that. I'm yeah, no, I'll, I'll talk now about now that offline. really boring for everybody else. Just saying,
1: me talking <laughs> about code that they can't see it's definitely
0: <laughs> Yeah, at least if they're looking at the show. Well, maybe you can add it as Allison's uh, solution should really be. Re- no, that's OK. All
1: right. We should learn <laughs> can something new. A comment. What's that? You can, a comment. you can stick in a comment on the blog post if you I like. Could, could. Anyway, let's, All right. let's do something new. So we are continuing on functions because functions are so fantastically important. So we really are picking up where we left off. So just a very quick reminder, a function, think of it like a black box. It may or may not take arguments and it may or may not return a value and it will do something in the middle. And if you've written it properly, it will be all self contained and it won't have any weird side effects on your stuff outside the function.
0: Right. Yes. Right. That's how you know I missed that last piece.
1: (laughs) It is. (laughs) Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about is detecting whether or not someone actually passed you the arguments you are expecting. So in, this, in, in my example, I did that by checking if the first argument was an array. But what if I'm expecting a number? It actually is slightly more difficult than you might think to actually check that you got the right arguments. So I have a very, very simple example to, pr- to show you the problem, and then I'll tell you the solution. So our function I'm going to use for testing this is called doubler, and it takes one argument, which it is going to call n. And assuming there is an n passed, it should return twice n. So it's going to double n. Mm -hmm. So it's just a very short little function. If n, return parse float n star 2, otherwise return undefined. That sounds good. Okay. So do you think that that will successfully detect whether or not the function was called with the appropriate arguments? Well, that sounds like a pull, trick question. It is a trick question. So that's—I'm <laughs> going to go though, with no, because yeah. it seems like so, yes. Well, it's not a bad first approximation, okay. and it works in ninety percent of cases. It's almost right, but not fully. So to prove the point, on line seven we call the function with no arguments, which is which we would hope should result in undefined, because that's what we've said what to do if there's no n. Then. We try calling it with zero as the argument. Then we try calling it with an empty string as the argument. Then we try to call it with the number eight as an argument. And then we try to call it with the string eight as an argument. And in theory, if we've written our function properly, we should get undefined zero, undefined 1616. 16. But when you click run, that's not what comes out. OK. So I'm looking why? at the code,
0: and I don't know whether anybody else would have been able to follow that without it. But So you're saying if you put nothing in there, then mm-hmm. you should get undefined, and we do. We if do. you put so zero work- in there, you should get zero, but we don't, yeah. we get undefined.
1: So why do we get undefined? Uh, the key is on line two, if n, zero evaluates yeah. to false. So that's un- that's indistinguishable from not having passed anything at all. With our test, oh, that's right. Zero is false. Zero is false. The okay. empty string is also false. So the empty string is also failing our test, which it should. Empty, which it should, because well, no, the what the argument is there; it should come out as nan, but it doesn't. Oh,
0: happen. right, right, right. Because you have just failed the if right off the bat.
1: We just failed the if right off the bat, and we shouldn't have failed the if because there was an argument; that just wasn't a nice one. And then the other two.
0: Well, blank. Work as no, no, no. Blank
1: is is not a nice one. Was blank. Well, blank is an argument, though there is something between those brackets. The you know the oh, empty. Oh, I'm
0: sorry. I'm string. sorry. You mean space? Yeah. No, no, blank. it's blank.
1: It's just quote, quote. It's like it is the empty string, but the empty string is a thing,
0: as right? opposed to the empty number. In the first example you used, to, you just open close brackets.
1: Yeah. So that there is nothing in there. There's literally nothing. Right.
0: So what's the difference between blank and nothing?
1: Well, the it's empty space. string is a string. The empty string is a string. It How is do a string you put of an empty characters. string
0: into an input? You yeah, can't. It might type it.
1: happen for all sorts of reasons, right?
0: No, not in my head. Those are the same thing to me. Nothing and not something.
1: Okay, <laughs> to JavaScript, they're not the same thing. To a programming language, they're not the same thing. An empty string is a thing. Nothingness is actually nothingness.
0: How do you make a string without it being, with it not being nothingness?
1: Well, we I just did it there. Quote, quote will make you a string of nothingness. Quote boogers. Nothing. That's two quotes. quotes." That's exactly that's the problem, and it's being treated as if it was nothing.
0: Okay, so someone would type in those two characters, the the quote, quote,
1: or no, they would probably leave something blank. But your program then takes that blankness and passes it off as an argument. Well, that is still an argument, right? But blank is our first example. No, but our first example passes no value. The empty string is a value, even though it's a very meaningless value. It is still a value. There is a difference between having the two brackets touch each other and having anything at all between them. Even if that anything is something stupid, like nothingness. I this don't is buy it, but we better, on. On your- we better move
0: on. We better move on, because I, I will be here all day. We'll have to come up with some other example for me to follow later, but we better keep moving.
1: Okay. So the question is, so this can... This naive first attempt at the code is not successfully telling the difference between... The best example is zero, right? The number zero is definitely different to nothing. And our f- code is not working correctly. Can we agree right. on that? Yes. <laughs> okay, so that's the problem to be solved. we we'll leave the empty string out of it. So how do we actually genuinely test that they actually passed nothing and then why not them or do something else? So the answer is... A new operator that I'm going to introduce you to today, and we're going to look at it in way more detail next time. It's called type of. All one word. No camel casing, because that would be too sensible. So it's just type of. And it's an operator. And type of will return the string undefined if the thing is undefined. Oh, okay. And so we can say instead of saying If n, we can say, if type of n is not equal to undefined, then we do our maths, otherwise we return undefined.
0: Okay. So uh, which one was the double equals? That means equals.
1: Double equals means exactly equal to. So this is is not exactly equal to.
0: Okay. So So if type of n is not exactly equal to undefined, then that means it is something that we could probably play with.
1: Yeah. It might so be a string. It. it could be a string right. though, right? Right, but parse float will give nan, so then our code will do something sensible.
0: Instead of undefined, it would say nan.
1: Yeah, okay. which is a sensible thing to do in JavaScript with numbers. Okay. Otherwise, we return undefined. So it, the function is now behaving like I want it to, so if we, rerun that, if we run that code, it will actually give sane outputs. Right. So it will except, except Zero, nine, 16, when, there's, 16. when there's
0: nothing passed, it got undefined and when there was an empty string it got nan
1: yeah which is actually i know you don't agree with me but that is actually programmatically correct the empty string is not a number but it's also not completely nothing
0: <laughs> We're it's almost philosophical. by the way it's not it's not disagreement it's i don't understand how that can exist but we're going to keep going Okay, it's so those are definitely two different things. I just don't know why. Okay.
1: Because in the philosophical world of JavaScript, a string that contains nothing is different to actual vacuum.
0: How do you know it's a string if it's got nothing in it?
1: Because it has, it's, it's marked up as a string. It's, JavaScript is a bit weird sometimes. Okay,
0: <laughs> no, just... no, no, that helps though. It, you're saying this thing has been marked as a string.
1: Yeah, yeah and I marked it as such by putting quote, quote,
0: Okay, it doesn't mean someone typed, quote, quote, into
1: a field. No, but if you get the value of a field with no text in it, the value you get back will be the string that is empty. Okay. So when when we go into web page land, we're going to get back empty strings when there's a text field that has nothing in it. So we're going to see, empty strings are going to exist, they're going to be a thing. Okay. Okay. So now I am going to do something that I have headlined: getting clever with function arguments. So, for ne- at the moment now, y- y- yourself and arguments haven't become quite as good of friends as I would have liked. But nonetheless, I, th- I think we're I think we're making progress. <laughs> so for now, our our little functions we've we've sort of always done the same thing, but sometimes it actually makes sense to say, well, you can tell me two things. But a lot of the time, I could just guess a default value. So I'm going to make this make sense by giving you an example. So let's say we want to create a function called incrementer. And what it's going to do is it's going to take a number and increment it by another number, and the default will be 1. So if you don't tell me what to increment by, I would like to assume 1. So if you say incrementer 4, you get out 5. But if you want to increment by 10, you could say incrementer 4, 10, and then you get out 14.
0: Okay. So
1: that's what we want to achieve. And that requires us having a concept of an optional argument, which is something we haven't talked about before.
0: This is something we're inventing, this incrementer? Or is that a yeah. real function, a normal function? No, no,
1: it's a function I'm writing here to illustrate the concept of optional arguments. Okay. So we need the number to be incremented is not optional, otherwise the function makes no sense. But I am saying that my function, if you don't tell it what to increment by, it will assume you mean one. Okay. And if you do tell it, it will listen to what you say. Sounds good. So that means that the second option, the second argument is optional. Mm -hmm. If you don't give it, I'll do one. If you do give it, I'll do what you say. So it's optional. So, how do we test what's going on? So, let's look at the code. So, the first thing I say is make sure we got a valid number to increment. So, if is nan n, return nan. So nan is something we came across in...
0: Let me check our cheat sheet. I tried really hard to use isNan. IsNan was harder on arrays.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because an array is indeed not a number. <laughs> the whole thing is not a number. Even an array of numbers is not a number because it's an array. So, okay, so we're saying if we got nan, return nan. So again, so we're using our... You state.
0: didn't give me an increment. didn't even sorry, you didn't right, sorry, give me, didn't num- give me a, 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 an argument.
1: Yeah, you didn't kay. give me a numbered increment, so I really can't do anything. Good day. Okay. <laughs> then we have the new bit. Deal with the optional incrementer. So I am simply going to say var inc equals one, which is my default value. Ah, And then I'm saying, if not is nan i, which is the name I gave my second argument. <laughs> Sorry, if not is nan. I know. This is why I don't if, like if JavaScript. If it lack isn't of it
0: not much. a negative not. Okay. In other
1: words, if it is a number, the way you would read this, two nots there, right? So if it is a number, then inc equals i
0: two wrongs don't make a right part okay so a double negative <laughs> is a positive so if not is nan means it is a number it, it something exists oh not no, just not something a, a number
1: it is a number right. right it exists and is a number okay then we say our incrementer equals whatever that is
0: okay um
1: why and don't then we, we just have to like parse enter
0: something on these
1: uh, well, I'm deciding not to. I'm just saying is nan, right? So in other words, if someone gave me something that isn't a number, I'm just going to say I don't oh, care. Okay, Okay. all
0: right. right I've right, just right.
1: decided not to. Yeah, I've decided okay. not to. That's my decision in implementing the code. Okay. So increment and return return n plus inc. And so we can test it by calling it with no arguments at all, which we would expect it to spit out nan. I can call it with a single argument of one, which you would expect to spit out two. I can call it with a single argument of donkey, which I would expect to spit out nan. Mm-hmm. I can call it with 3.1416. I would expect that to become 4.1416. Mm-hmm. I can call it with 5,5, 5, which I would expect to spit out 10.
0: 10. Okay.
1: I can call it with 5, donkey. Now, what do we think will happen oh, with 5? Oh,
0: come on. It's not going to give us nan, is it? It's not. Because you don't test donkey to see if it's a number.
1: We do. No, we you say, do.
0: Yeah, but. Oh, but if it's not a number, wait. Yeah. If it, if it isn't not a number.
1: <laughs> we ignore it is what happens, right? So we, we assume our incrementer is one and only if we're happy with it do we change our incrementer. So if donkey is definitely, donkey is not not a number.
0: I believe right. you. The double doubles are killing me here. But
1: I know, if, I know, if, and I wish I wish there was a way to write this that didn't involve double doubles, but there is not in JavaScript. You okay, have to so double. Let negative. me
0: try it one more time. So I'm going to use donkey instead of i. Yes. Uh, if donkey. Okay, is ignore not, the not. not a number.
1: Right. So ignore the not. So what if donkey donkey is then, is a number? Increment donkey. by one.
0: Otherwise, it's got to go back to the default.
1: Okay. It stays the default. Yeah. It
0: Stays the default. So, Sorry. Yeah. it Never changes.
1: So in other words 5 comma donkey should be 6. six. <laughs> We've got some good phrases in this show. We do, don't we? Um and then lastly okay. we have 3.146 comma 5.2 which should give us back 8.346. So that's cool. running. Yeah, I'm sure it does what it's supposed to. It does. Oh good. I follow this doing... too
0: except for the double negatives. But I can yeah. I can get there. I just have to I really... don't like them. Noodling. I don't like. Yeah.
1: Okay. So that's how we deal with, well, you know, optional arguments. We just simply test for them. We give them a default value. We test if we got a value and otherwise we carry on. But now we're going to generalize things to a whole new level. I'm going to say that this bit is not, a, this bit is useful And I would like you to make a mental note that this feature exists, but I don't want you to stress about this. So if you remember that it is possible to write a function that can take an arbitrary number of arguments, then you'll know to go look it up if you ever need it. But this is not the kind of thing that if you don't understand, you can't continue with the series. Good. So don't panic. I, I want to I set appropriate expectations on this one. This is a bit like our, our thing with um, recursion. This is, this is a bonus for people who like it. And if you don't like it, yeah, whatever. It's not mission critical, so don't stress. So every function we've written so far, we know how many arguments we're going to get. But what if I would like to write a function that will just multiply together an arbitrary number of numbers? hmm so valid calls to this function would be like in the example below. So we could say product two comma four or two comma four comma six comma seven comma eleven or two comma four comma six comma seven comma eleven comma thirty-four as many as we like. Okay. How do we deal with that arbitrariness? Okay. So we have been naming our arguments. We called the last ones, we called them n and i. In we call them n in the previous example. I'm very fond of n, so I've just come to the conclusion. I call it A. We called it A in our other solution. So we've been naming them. Q, in mind. Q, you, you like Qs? So we have been naming them, but how do you name, I guess you could name 100 arguments and then hope that no one ever uses your function with 101 arguments. But that doesn't seem like a sane solution, does it? Mm-mm. Well, you, you don't have to name them at all. There exists, because JavaScript does it this way, this is just a feature of the language, there is an array that is created inside every function, called arguments, which is an array of all the arguments. Oh, okay. So you can just use it directly. So let's look at how we do our arbitrary product. So in other words, this function is going to multiply together as many numbers as you give it. So the first thing we say is, if there are no arguments, return zero. Ah, Alistair will be happy. If <laughs> arguments length double equals zero, return zero. Because the product of nothingness I'm saying is zero. That seems okay. like a sensible thing to do. And then we just loop over the arguments, so we say var ants equals one because we're multiplying. So for var i equals zero or q in Allison's case, i is less than arguments dot length. i plus plus ants equals ants multiplied by arguments i. Alistair will be happy again. Okay, I'm not using star equals. I'm using the the long form. Return ants, and then we can test it with nothingness to you know. Many, many different permutations there. So let's run it and see if it behaves as we think or as we want.
0: All right. So let's see. Product of nothing put in there ought to be zero. And it is. Product of two. Oh, because it's just time. It's just itself. It's nothing to be multiplied. should be two. Two and four should be eight. Two, four, six, seven, 11 is going to be some other bigger number. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm going to just assume JavaScript can do maths for the last two. No, I don't think it's
0: (laughs) (laughs) 24,544,840. Okay,
1: and you could keep typing numbers in there and it will keep working because instead of naming the arguments, we're accessing them through this arguments array and every single function contains this array. So that's a word
0: you should avoid using,
1: Arguments. It's a word, not only that you. It's a word that has a meaning already. So it. Remember, I gave you a list of. Yeah, was the that keywords? in the list? It was in the list, oh, and okay, that's good. why it was in the list. Okay. That doesn't okay. seem that
0: hard, Bart. Okay.
1: I never. I can never. You guess never know when going I'm going
0: to lose my mind and when I'm going to get it. Yeah.
1: You see, now I'm afraid that this is going to be non-intuitive to you, and unfortunately, this is important. But this is the bit I told you that it doesn't matter if you don't get it first time, because we're going to do this again. Okay. And again, and again, again, and again, 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 again. And you're gonna do it so often it's gonna become second nature to you. Good. But it may you may take a few goes at this. Okay. So warning you in advance. And hopefully my warning is in vain. So
0: it's not I still
1: right. I still have not told you what an object is, right? Mm-hmm. But I keep mentioning them. And we are actually going to do them for real next time. So I told you that way, way back in a sum of twelve, I said a variable can contain a literal value, which could be a number, a string, or a boolean, or it can contain an, a, ref, a reference to an object, and then I told you not to worry about objects.
0: Okay. that's why you it's you called object-oriented array. programming, by the way?
1: Yes, it is. All right.
0: I've always wanted to know where this comes in. Okay.
1: Well, that's installment 17. We, we, we dive into objects. Okay. And then we're finished, right? That is actually the last thing we're going to do, objects, and then we're ready to go into the browser. Okay. I then told you about arrays. And I told you that arrays are objects, which is why they can go into a variable, because a variable can contain a literal value or a reference to an object. An array is an object, therefore we can stick it in a variable. A function is an object, therefore you can stick it into a variable. So what you have been writing, so we've been used to what is actually a shortcut. Function doubler x, return x plus equals x is exactly the same as saying var space doubler equals function x curly bracket return x plus equals x close curly bracket semicolon. Let that sink in for a bit. Yeah. So when you say function doubler, you are creating a variable called doubler that contains a reference to a function. So you could write that explicitly by saying var doubler equals function arguments curly brackets oh, I content just,
0: i think i just got it okay so you're saying okay. you could create a variable that calls a function
1: no that, that is, is a function, a function. So the keyword function creates a function so we are creating a function and sticking it into the variable doubler okay that, that creates that's a function actually what we were doing okay. before so those those two code snippets are identical in what they do. One of them is just a shortcut for the other.
0: With the exact same number of characters. Actually, a couple fewer. Okay.
1: Yeah. However, the fact that we can create functions without giving them a name at the same time is very powerful. So we can, for a start, we can do something like in the code snippet below. So I say var doubler equals function. Give it one argument x and just return x times two. Mm-hmm. I can then say var d equals doubler. Well, I've now have two references to the same function, so I can say doubler four or d four, and they are exactly the same thing because the function is just an object. Hmm. So you can run that, and you'll see that it's the same thing because we just have two variables pointing at the same function.
0: That's so uh, interesting.
1: It is interesting, but it means that functions can be thrown around. You can hand functions from one variable to another in JavaScript. A function is no different to the string buggers. You can so could you have pass said, it around.
0: You said var doubler equals function of x. Could you also mm-hmm. say var d equals function of x?
1: You could do, yeah. But in this case, why would you type the function out twice when you're going to say var d equals doubler? Then it just... The two become equal to each other, so they become the same function. Okay. Just like if you said var string equals boogers, var string two equals string is var string one equals boogers, var string two equals string one, you now have two boogers. Well, now we have two functions. We, or rather, we have the same function having two names. D right. Right. Doubler. Okay. So that means that you can stick a reference to a function into a variable. So just like we could test if something was an array, we can test if something is a function. And the way we do it is, is a little bit similar to something we saw earlier. So I already told you type of, all one word. Type of something that's undefined is equal to undefined. Well, type of something that's a function returns the string function. So you can test if something is a function using type of.
0: Okay, let me think about this. So we have function doubler n, return n times two. Okay. PBSA type of doubler. Just show its
1: That'll just print it out. I'm telling you it'll show say.
0: For- it, what's type?
1: The, of the variable doubler. So the so type dub- would
0: be string or number or undefined? Or function, function? or...
1: Yeah. Okay. Or object the okay. other one would... It's not going near objects. For now, they're next week's problem. Okay. <laughs> so, actually, let's run through this example. I hope, I'm hoping that this... So, if we run this, you should see what's going on. Let me just copy paste. Okay. So, we create a function called doubler, and then I say pbs.say doubler," and it spits out function. So, that's using our old-style shortcut. So, we're saying function doubler... Right, that's like we were doing it last week.
0: Right, okay.
1: Then we print out its type and it says function. And then we're doing the new way I've told you about today, where we say var tripler equals function. And then we create our tripler function. And then we're doing a type of of that, and you'll see it's also function. So that proves that the two ways of making a function are identical. Right? Right, right. They have both made functions and put them into variables. One called doubler, one called tripler. I've just written them differently.
0: Okay. Makes sense. Okay. So, and again, these, these two have nothing to do with each other, even though...
1: No. No, they're, okay. but they're both functions. So I have successfully created a function two ways. Okay. And the function is gotcha. a variable of whatever name I gave the function. Okay. So tripler is a variable that is a function. Okay. Now, anything you can put into a variable anything at all that you can put into a variable you can pass to a function as an argument so you can so we ha, in our assignment we passed an array to a function and then we got the average value of the array well I can pass a function as an argument to a function sure you can why not <laughs> I can and believe it or not that is central to how web browsers do things so the way a web browser actually works, and we'll, we'll don't, you know, we we'll, we'll, I'm telling you this to explain why this is important. We'll go through it in great detail in eighteen. But the way a web browser works is every time you click your mouse, or every time you press a key, or every time the page refreshes, an event is triggered, and you actually all you can do is tell the browser whenever this event happens, call this function, and you do that by just passing an argument saying. I want to add an event handler to the onload handler. Here it is. And you pass it a function. And so every time the page loads, that function runs. You might say, on this button, I would like you to run this function every time it's clicked. That's an click handler. And you're passing these functions around. You over here, when this happens, do this. You over here, when this happens, do this. And so functions are just these things we throw around the place in the browser. You click here, run this function. You click there, run that function. See what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: So this idea that functions are variables is really important to how the browser works, and it's it's not intuitive. And in any other language, this would be an advanced topic. But because of how the browser works, this concept of just chucking functions around as arguments is de rigueur. It's just an everyday occurrence in JavaScript. Okay. So while it's weird at first, and while it will make your head hurt a little bit, it is going to be something you do so often. You'll do it in your sleep before a month before the month is out.
0: Okay. So you say.
1: So I can pass a function to another function. So that allows me to do interesting things. So I am going to write a function that will take two arguments, an array and a function. And I will apply the function to everything in the array, one by one. So I am calling my function array apply. Say that
0: sentence one more time right before that.
1: Okay, So I am going to write a new function Mm -hmm. and that function's job in life is to take an array and to take another function that you hand to it and to apply that function one by one to everything in the array. So if I hand an array of five things, I want that function applied five times. If I hand it an array of a thousand things, I want the function applied a thousand times. Okay. And this is actually something you often want to do. You know, make everything in an array be twice as big or make everything in an array be a string or make everything in an array be something else. So array apply is basically generalizing this. Write a function, tell me what to do, and then I'll do it for you for everything in this array. Okay. So let's actually, before I explain how it works, let's run it so we can see it in action. So to prove my point, I am going to use my little thingy to double... In, it's an increment and then double the same array. so let, let's, let's run it. I'm
0: going to try to read this from the bottom. Yeah, so Can at I the try end to of, interpret yeah.
1: it?: Yes, please.
0: Okay, so at the bottom is when he creates the array. so he says var a and it's one, two, three four mm-hmm. and he says pbs initial array plus a. so it's you're going to add a to it, so it's
1: two, three, but four, a, five. Yes, yeah, so concatenate is what we call it with strings.
0: Concatenate, but A... Is an array. Yeah.
1: Well, click rolling and you'll see that it no, behaves. No, I, I did. Similar.
0: I ran it, and I don't have any idea what it's doing. So maybe i got to read it. array,
1: hold on, one, two, three, four. Yes?
0: Oh, no? I read the second line. <laughs> I was like, wait. That, yes, initial array, one, two, three, four. So initial array oh. concatenated with A, and A is one, two, three, four. Got it. Okay. Perfect. Now we're going to start doing something. Array apply yeah. a comma incrementer. So we might have to go up and find out now what array apply Nine, is and what incrementer is.
1: Okay, so array apply is the thing we're creating. So that's the hard bit of the code starts on line two. We'll come back to that last.
0: Okay. So our function so incrementer to... says uh, incrementer of n return n plus one. Okay.
1: Not a very exciting function.
0: So it's two, three, four, five now.
1: Yes, exactly. So, in okay. other words, we this array apply function t- takes an array and it transforms it based on whatever other function you hand it. So we're saying increment everything in a.
0: Okay, so you gave us the yeah. Okay,
1: that and two, three, enough. four, five pops out, and then we print it again. Incremented array, two, three, four, five pops out. Right, and then we say array apply a comma doubler.
0: Okay, so now that's so a now different saying, function.
1: Yeah, doubler so which I think,
0: means n times two.
1: Yeah, so apply this other function to everything in the array. So now it becomes 4, 6, 8, 10. So I was ready for
0: this to be really complicated, but that made sense. I guess I haven't right. read the function up above yet. There's by, right. is, oh, that's just all the tests to see if it's re- good.
1: And it actually does the work. So the point being, you now understand what we're trying to do, which is now why it's going to be much easier for me to explain the code. Okay. So we are taking two arguments, an array, and then a something to do to that array. All and right. then we just do it.
0: Okay.
1: Okay, and we use that same function to increment everything in an array and to double everything in an array. So it's it's a very generic thing to do. Yes? Yeah. Nice and purple. Uh And so the two arguments we take, I'm going to call a for the array and fn for the function. Okay. So the first thing we do is we validate the argument. So I want to be sure that I actually was given an array. So we're using our friend again from earlier from PBS 14, a instance of array. So we're saying, if not a instance of array... Say error, array apply called without an array as its first argument, doing nothing. And then I just call it a return. Yeah, so I'm just sending a return of undefined. Just bugger Good. off. I give up. All right. So return semicolon. I give up. Then we're saying if type of fn not exactly equal to function, in other words, if I wasn't given a function as my second argument, Oh. pbs.say, array apply called without a function as the second argument, doing nothing, Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. So how did, um, how did we know it was going to be a function? We're just well, saying if I've you don't said. give me a function.
1: Yeah. So I am forcing it to be a function by saying if you give me anything else, I am going to scream at you.
0: Okay. All right. So this is the first time it knows we're, we're knowing it should be a function other than the fact that you called it something that looks like function.
1: Yes, and I told you in the text that what I'm going to do is create a function that takes a function.
0: Yeah. Okay, I'm with you.
1: Okay, and then we just do the work. So then we loop through our array for var q in your case, i in my case, equals zero. i is less than a dot length, which is the length of the array, i++. Uh We're saying a i, so the element at where we are now is equal to fn of a i. Yeah. We have no idea what the function is, but we're calling it fn, and we're going to apply it and stick the answer where it came from.
0: Oh, now I see why this is cool. Because we never told it what fn is. We're going to find, fn gets defined later.
1: Yeah, and FN fn gets to do two different things in this one example. So that same loop gets to be used once to increment everything, and then the exact same line 15 is then used to double everything. Hmm. Because we're just telling it, apply this function. Now apply this function. Hmm. So functions are just variables, and you can throw them around, which is pretty darn cool. Yeah.
0: I th- I'm i almost 100% with us function incrementer n. Oh, there it is there. Wait. Okay. <laughs> okay. So now, I understood it from the bottom to the middle to the top. Now I'm trying to go back down. So now I, now I know. What, yeah. So we say function incrementer n. Um, return n plus one. But when do we call that incrementer? There it is, reapply. Got it.
1: Yeah. Well, it actually, it actually gets called at line 15, but when we call it, it's known, it's aliased as fn.
0: Right. We don't know what it is yet.
1: Yeah. When we're writing the code, we don't know what it is, but when we run it, when we say go, Mr. Function, then the other function gets called.
0: When we call the spell.
1: When we call the spell, the spell calls another spell. Right, right. So this the spell is doing its own magic which is kind of weird. <laughs> it's I, powerful stuff, right? This is this is powerful stuff.
0: Yeah, again the syntax will kill me,
1: but I I followed this okay? Now, what we have done has a name. It's called a callback. So fn is a callback. So whatever you hear JavaScript programmers prattling on about oh just use a callback, what they mean is pass a function to a function. It's uh, I don't know why they chose to call it a callback. That's just the name they gave this technique of a function calling a function. Sorry, passing a function as an argument to a function is called a callback. I don't know. I'm just telling you this because the jargon is all over the internet. And when you go into (laughs) the Googles, you will see it everywhere. So that's what it is. That makes some sense. Now. The, the last thing I'm going to tell you about, so what we have done there, this concept of applying, of doing something for everything in an array is a really common thing to want to do. So common. In fact, JavaScript has it as a standard feature. Hmm. Every So you already know that every array has a property called dot length. So you can have any array dot length and it will tell you if it's 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, or whatever its length is. Right. Well, every array contains a function called for each, which is camel cased. And for each expects one argument, which is a callback. It expects you to tell it what to do for each element in the array.
0: That's a nice one. I like that. It is, unless you put like now, a not equals nan in front of it, and then that's... I won't like it
1: anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, ex- now, I ah yes, okay. Sorry, I need to step you back up a tiny little bit, but not very far, because we can make... So what we've done, right? So we had function incrementer, which just incremented, and we had function doubler, which doubled. Mm-hmm. And we created the functions, and then we handed them to our array apply as an argument. Right. That's wasteful. Why did we bother typing the function and then passing it through? We can actually do it all in one go. Mm-hmm. Which is what's so the next example down from the one we just ran does the identically the same thing, but instead of naming the function incrementer and then naming the function doubler, we actually create the function as we say array apply. So we say array apply a comma function n return n plus one. So we're actually creating the function in line there. That's and kind it of never sleek. Gets, it's sleek and it never gets a name. So that is called. An anonymous function. Ooh. So we didn't give it a name, but inside our function it becomes fn, so all is good. So that is an anonymous function. That's another bit of terminology knocked on the head. <laughs> right? it's, it's awfully
0: a- human readable. It says array apply, open parentheses, mm-hmm. or brackets as you like yep. to call them, even though that's not what they're called. A <laughs> function n, return n plus one.
1: Yeah, it is actually, so you're right. That is the incrementer.
0: That's the incrementer, yeah. but we don't have to call it incrementer because it's right there. It says return n plus one. Exactly. I like that better.
1: Excellent. Well, they—that is an anonymous function as a callback. There's all your jargon. Function a callback. All into one. <laughs> okay, so now that I've said that, we can have a look at our example, which uses for each because it also uses an, an, an anonymous function, which is hard to say. Hmm. Now, when you use for each, it will just invoke whatever function you pass it and it will it for each makes a promise to you it promises you that whatever function you give it to do work on for each will hand that function two arguments what it is in the array and where it is in the array so if we run that i'm hoping you will see what it does so i have created an array called allison sorry i have created an array called a which contains three strings allison likes and boogers (laughs) Okay. Which I thought you'd approve of. Yeah. And then I'm saying for each, so a dot for each, and then I'm doing an anonymous function. So function, w, comma, i, open curly brackets, pbs dot say, i plus the symbol plus the string colon plus w. So that will show you what i and w will always be.
0: Okay. And I'm hoping it will but make we sense. Never... To... Hmm. No, just reading it doesn't. I'll go ahead and run it and see if I understand it.
1: Yeah, that's a, yeah. So run it and then I can explain it. Okay.
0: All right. So I've run it and I so we've got a dot for each, which sort of feels like it's going to cycle through. Correct to me. Function which w i, and we're saying i plus colon or i concatenated with colon concatenated with w. So yes. I, so it gives me but, zero colon Allison i one colon. A, one colon likes, two colon boogers.
1: In other words, the first thing passed to your anonymous function will always be the thing in the array. So Alison likes and boogers always come in as the first okay. thing. All right. And the second thing is always where in the array they are. Zero, one, or two. So or i three. is not
0: a function in this
1: case. So i is a name we are giving the variable. So i is an argument, just like before, which exists inside that function only. So from the curly bracket to the end of the curly bracket. Now, the other subtlety here that I have done, which is, so in the previous example of anonymous functions, I put them all on one line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the incrementer was all on one line. You could write this all on one line. You could take the backspace out on lines four and lines three and put it on one line, and then it is exactly the same syntax as we were doing with our anonymous functions. But that gets really messy, so it is considered the norm to do this kind of strange indenting. Yes. So this indenting is a style thing within JavaScript. Okay. And I'm
0: I'm still stuck long before that though. Okay. I don't Good. know uh, where we ever tell it what I is or what to do with it. Because we say a dot for each function mm-hmm. W comma i and then okay. somehow so, I has numbers now.
1: Right. Okay. So let's step let's step back. So, we are creating a spell here. We're creating a function. <laughs> is I and a function? We are saying, no. Okay, we, function we're creating a function. a function that we never give a name to. So, we're creating right. an anonymous function, but we are creating a function. Okay. And we are saying that within the confines of that function, we shall give the alias W to whatever it is is put in as the first argument. Right. And we are saying that we will give the alias I to whatever it is. That is put in as a second argument. Now, for each we'll take this anonymous function and apply it once for every element in the array, and the rules for, for each, the specification of for each says that it will always tell you two arguments, what and where.
0: What and where? And where is where is it in the array?
1: Yes. So the oh, rules okay. say. That the second thing will be the position, so zero, one, two. Okay,
0: okay. you didn't and tell us that be, before.
1: <laughs> I tried to, but I didn't do it very successfully, which is why I'm happy we. we okay, because re- re- you're, you're so.
0: off on indenting, and I'm like, where did you know what I was? So that, so the let me say it again. So for each specifically is going to be looking for a function where the first thing is what's in the array, and the second thing is going to be the position in the array.
1: Yes. And you don't have to use the second thing. So if you you might just not bother with I, that's fine to not bother with it. If you only just want to print them out, you could say PBS.say W and just never bother with the I's, and that'll just print out Alison likes boogers.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: So you can try that. So if you take the W and just take the comma, the space and the I away, and then on the next line just PBS.say W and then run it you'll see it says.
0: Oh, so I can't uh, I'm gonna do something. I'm not gonna do what you said.
1: You're not going to do what I said. Excellent. No,
0: I didn't take, I uh, since I is there, I don't have to use I. So I just said PBS, Correct. I left I there and then I said W, and it said Allison likes boogers.
1: Yeah. But, but because it is for each, so they're it, on separate
0: lines. It.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's PBS.say and then PBS.say again and yeah. PBS.say yeah. again.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. For each.
1: For each. Interesting. So if you don't like the for with its weirdness, maybe you'll prefer a for each. Yeah, I kind of like that for each. I use for each all the time. I love for each.
0: <laughs> OK.
1: And that's it. That's it for today, apart from setting you a challenge. Oh, goody. So, I would like you to create another function because functions are a great way to learn things. And I would like you, to, I'm going to tell you what to call this function. So, I'm being a bit more strict this time around. You're not as to use as much of your imagination. I want you to call this function input transformer. <laughs> OK. OK. This function will accept a single argument, which will be a callback. In other words, a reference to a function object. So like for each takes a single argument as a function. That callback function. Ah, sorry. We're going to work on some of the
0: words he's got here.
1: (laughs) This is really hard to say. So the callback function can be assumed to take one argument and return a value. So in other words, whatever it is that you pass as the anonymous function, it should take one thing in and spit one thing out. Okay. Input transformer should loop through all the inputs in the playground and apply the callback to each thing there. Okay. All right. And then I would like you to test your callback by calling it with an anonymous function that squares the inputs, and then that cubes the inputs. <laughs> the top of my head blown up. All right. Okay. So what you should be able to do is type into the inputs one, two, four, and it should square them and then cube them. Okay. And I would like you to, rather than write, it, I would like you to use this input transformer to do that. So input transformer is going to behave very much like for each, but instead of going through an array... I want you to go through the inputs and transform them. Oh, this okay. is Okay. Right? So we are so going to use the
0: the pbs.inputs on this one.
1: Yes, we are. I'm explicitly yeah, I'm explicitly telling you to transform those, so you most certainly are going to use those. Okay. And this is this is this will help you to distill your feelings about this whole anonymous function thing.
0: I'm, I'm because feeling you're feeling happy good with about the now, anonymous
1: function. Okay, well, it it needs crystallizing. Yeah, tomorrow because we'll like be I say, we are going to be throwing anonymous functions around like you would not believe.
0: Excellent, excellent.
1: They are going to be everywhere. Well, it's better if I start not scared of it, right? Absolutely. And the thing is, you may become scared in the middle, but you'll become unscared again because you're going to do it so often. So it might be like a, a, a what do you call that, Poisson distribution.
0: By the way, one of the things I've done uh, and I did yesterday, I was getting really, really frustrated. I was like, oh, I don't get this. It's too hard. I'm not gonna... you know. And then I remembered the lesson I learned from Dr. Gary that one of the ways we can keep our higher brain function uh, alive and well as we age is to do something that's really hard for us. And to master it, you don't get to just say yeah. hola <laughs> and say you learn Spanish, right? <laughs> As she said, so I did this. I was like, arr, arr, and I went, no, this is good for me because it's making my brain work. Okay, try it again, try it again, try it again. It did, like I said, it did help when I got on the right lesson. It got a lot, a lot easier.
1: <laughs> well, this, I think learning to program would really highly rank in that. When I was listening to that chitchat across the pond, I was thinking, well, I think I know what Alison's going to be stressing over <laughs>
0: because I did try to learn Spanish and I got to hola. I actually, I think I was able to name the uh, numbers that we can count to seven before I uh, came oh,
1: the, oh no, cerveza, por favor. That's as far as I got. <laughs> well, no, so no, I no, would no. have beer.
0: You need cerveza, but then you need baño right after that. So you got to learn baño with cerveza. That
1: was it. <laughs> what on earth is a baño? Bathroom. The milk? Oh, bathroom. <laughs> oh yeah, that's important.
0: Those and are the two uh, gotta oh. learned
1: together. What, what was the bill again? It wasn't la Desion. that's when I'm in France.
0: Oh, uh, In in Italy, I know it was like il canto por favore or something like that. So it's something like that in Spanish.
1: I used to know. I used to basically be able to get a beer and pay for it. (laughs) I didn't always understand how much money I owed them. (laughs) But if you hand over a large enough note, it generally works out. The answer
0: was 8,473,000 pesos, right?
1: (laughs) Well, well, in my day, it was already the euro, so that made it a bit easier. Uh, Oh, Spain. Spain, yeah. Oh,
0: I was in Mexico.
1: (laughs) Oh, they have pesos too? Well, yeah, see, Spain used to have pesos. Oh, no, okay. Spain had, pe- no, <laughs> potato, pe Potatoes? We called them potatoes as kids, but that wasn't the right word. It was something that rhymes with potato. Peseta, that oh, was it. Peseta. Peseta.
0: Okay, my friend Raleigh refers to all currencies as bazooties. Oh, I like that. Whatever it is, we were in India, we had so many bazooties to the dollar, and then we went to uh, Nepal, it was a different kind of bazooties, but they were always bazooties.
1: Ken Ray has one from Star Trek for the original series. Quat Luz. Ken lose. has always talked about Quat There we go. Which is a Star Trek reference for any Believe amount of not, currency this, anyway.
0: This is not a Star Trek podcast, a language podcast, but it, we are increasing and, and maintaining our brain function.
1: We most certainly are. So I'm just going to leave it by saying that these callback things are really bloody important. Okay. And then next time we're going to finally, 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 finally learn about these object contraptions I keep on teasing you with all right i think it'd be hilarious if there was another one in between i'd forgotten about but i'm pretty <laughs> sure that's next
0: well i really hope that i start the homework earlier than the day before this time i had a good excuse i was on vacation but now i'm here i'm ready for bear excellent well you have you have my
1: telegram details <laughs> all right bart this is fun i had a good time okay excellent well until next time happy computing
0: I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is an unsponsored show, so if you like what you hear, you can help support the show by using the Amazon or App Store affiliate links you'll find over at podfeet.com. I love feedback, so if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email me at Allison at podfeet.com. If you want to join in the conversation with other listeners, you can go over to our Google Plus community at podfeet.com slash Google Plus or our Facebook group over at podfeet.com slash Facebook.